Come Holy Spirit, kindle in us the fire of your love. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them. Set our souls on fire. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. So, this day, as we all feast of the Epiphany, feast of the Epiphany, we're entering a new church, season of the church, the season of Epiphany. For 260 million, approximate 260 million Christians, this is Christmas Eve. In the Eastern Church, tomorrow is Christmas. And I think it's wonderful if we think about our brothers and sisters to the East and those of us in the West that we celebrate both. Christmas and Epiphany on this day. Celebrate the incarnation of God's love. God's love come back in human form. And the revelation of that love, both to the shepherds in the fields and now on this day, those strange visitors from the east. The incarnation of God's love and what that love means for us. Christmas and Epiphany in one time. Um, if you've not put away your Christmas tree, good for you. <laughs> um, you can do Christmas all over again, just call it your Orthodox Christmas. Um, you can do it twice. Maybe I'll treat myself to some shopping on Amazon. <laughs> Susan, you okay with that? <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Um, the word epiphany, right? Sometimes we talk about people having an epiphany, something that's kind of a, a sudden awareness of, um, sometimes a eureka kind of thing, this, this thing that was there that, that perhaps you caught a glimpse of and then you had to do another, another take and then you realize something was there that, that's always been there. It's this kind of sudden awareness of. The word also means to shine. To shine, something that's an epiphany shines. So it makes reference to the star, but it also makes reference to the child that's born in Bethlehem, that's shining with God's love and drawing all the world to himself. Um, Epiphany's like this. It's one of those things like, you know, the wise men are traveling and, and they, they didn't quite make it where they were going, right? So they had to think again about their destination. Had to think again. And sometimes epiphanies are like that. There's, there's something that that you know that you have to be reminded of, or something that is true that you've forgotten, or perhaps something that you experienced the first time and, and you realize that, that you've known that all along, you just haven't experienced it, you haven't embraced it yet. Okay, that can be like an epiphany. The wise men come, they find out they're in the wrong place, they get some more directions, and they go, aha, and it's an epiphany that they need to on. Then they find what they're looking for, what's always been there that they were seeking. Epiphany is kind of like this. Um, there were two um, retired academics, retired professors. One was a sociologist, the other was a philosopher. And they decided that they are going to have some, some personal time, some time together at the end of the day. And so they had gathered at one of their homes, and they were sitting out on the, on the porch and, and just kind of enjoying the, the late of the day and the early evening. The sun's going down. It's all, it's all kind of really nice and wonderful. A lot of us experience things like that, right? Living in this area, they like being outside when the sun's going down. It's absolutely beautiful around here. 
So they're sitting out there, and and um, and the sociologist, um, after they've been out there for a while, the sociologist kind of breaks the silence and turns to his uh, philosopher, retired philosopher friend, and says, um, "Have you read Marx?" And the philosopher kind of looks down for a moment, looks back up, and goes, "Yeah, I think it's the wicker chair." <laughs> now he didn't get that. Okay, he didn't get that. Think about it again. And perhaps his truth will reveal itself to you, and it will be an epiphany. So, oh, that's what that means. That's what that means. Um, here's an easier one. Guy walks into a bar. Harry's probably got all these memorized. Um, as I apologize at 8 o'clock, you try to find a good epiphany joke. <laughs> there aren't any, so you get these instead. So there, there's a guy who walks into a bar and, and he's, got, he's got a nuke on his shoulder. And he walks up to the bartender and says, a pint for me and a double whiskey for Tiny here. <coughs> and the bartender says, well, why'd you name him Tiny? And the guy says, because he's my nuke. <laughs> <laughs> That one's so bad, you're going to go out of here telling everybody that one, right? <laughs> Easy to remember. Okay? Yeah, probably no sudden awareness of what that means, right, and why that's a pun. What makes that maybe funny, depending on your sense of humor. One last one in honor of the choir. <laughs> there was a guy that um, woke up one day in the sand, laying in the sand, and he didn't know where he was or, or why he was there. Just, just woke up and found himself laying in the sand and, and, and looked around and, and noticed everywhere around him the sand was this deep red color. Deep red color. And as he looks around, he notices that, oh, he's, he's apparently on a beach and, and there's, the, there's the ocean out there and, and how strange, the ocean itself is a deep red color. So he's not sure what's going on here. He gets up and he starts going around exploring where he is and, and, he, and he sees that there are, there are some trees he notices and, and by golly, the trees are also this deep red color and there are birds that are, that are chirping and singing up in the trees and he looks up there and, and my gosh, this is strange. The birds are also a deep red color. And as he's looking around, then he, then he notices, oh my gosh, my, my hands are also turning a deep red color and that's when he realized He's been marooned. The Christmas story, the story that we often conflate, the story that's represented by this crash where you have shepherds and, and their animals and we have wise men as well. We, we bring those stories together. Right? We bring those together. That story of God come to us, that story of the incarnation and the revelation of his love in this child that's laying in a manger, this baby that comes to us, it tells us something about the breadth of God's embrace. It tells us something about how expansive God's love is. The first story we hear is the story of the angels that come to the shepherds, to the people who are at the bottom 
of society. The simple people, the uneducated people, the humble people, the poor people who are out in the fields overnight. The message, the revelation, the epiphany comes to them. And then scripture wants us to recognize how far that, that, that embracing love of God goes because the next thing is we hear the story of now the love of God has been revealed to pagans, kings, or what we believe are magi, people who studied the stars, people who are scientists, and were pagans. It's like God wants us to recognize that the revelation of his love is for those who are at the bottom of the social ladder and the revelation of his love extends to those who are in high places. And from that beginning point where God tries to map out for us, my love for you knows no bounds. My revealing of my love to you, there is no place where you will not find that. From there, Jesus goes out to the sick, to the lonely, to the abandoned, to the neglected, to those who are broken in their relationships, who are broken physically. He goes to all of them and reveals his love to them. He goes to, I mean, think of, think of all the examples that were given in Scripture and how it's always about a revelation of God's love. He goes to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, despised by his own people because he was a collaborator with the oppressors. And he goes to Zacchaeus and he says, come down out of that tree and I'm going to go have dinner at your house. He invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And he says, this day salvation has come to this house. I don't think Zacchaeus was expecting that. But that is the nature of God's love, to come uninvited. And those of us who have found ourselves, not literally, but at least metaphorically, up a tree, where we're at our wit's end about what to do, where we feel trapped by things that we've done to ourselves and what other people have done to us, and we are up that tree with nowhere else to go, that's when Jesus shows up, because he's in those places. Stories about, like, Mary and Martha of Bethany. Remember, Mary's out there, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. What's Martha doing? She's back in the kitchen, working herself to death and worrying about everything. I think we're about to run out of deviled eggs. <laughs> she was a member of the Southern Kingdom. <laughs> You know, Mary is like, I mean, Martha's like a lot of us. Overworked, feeling underappreciated, harassed and stressed by holiday visitors. You perhaps all just went through this. And Jesus comes to her in her distress and her worry. He says, come to me. Come to me. He goes to those who are sick. And because of their sickness, they can't be around other people. He goes to lepers. And he reaches out to them. 
and he touches them and he blesses them. He goes to those who have failed. Those who have failed, like Peter. Peter said, you know, I'll, I'll go with you anywhere. And then fearful for his own well-being, Peter denies him. And for all of us who haven't lived up to what we know we should be, just as he came to Peter on that lifestyle, and reinstituted him, forgave him, and reinstituted him in his ministry, he comes to all of us. Whenever we fail, whenever we're fearful, when we're afraid for our, our own being, when we're fearful about what's happening in the world, and, and we want to hide behind closed doors, just like his disciples, they were fearful after he died. They went into hiding, and, 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 and he knows that. Closed doors aren't anything to him. He walks through the walls, and he's there. And to all those people who are fearful, and I got a little bit of a kind of feeling of how the wind's blowing around us, and I think there's an awful lot of fear. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. There's no place where his love is not. There is no place. He even loves us and manifests his love so thoroughly that even someone who has died can hear his voice. And he says to Lazarus, come out. He brings him back from the dead. See, these early Christmas stories tell us something about how thorough the coming of God's love is and where it's made manifest. God's love is among the poor and the insignificant, among the rich and the powerful. It's among God's people, and that love is among pagans who have not yet found the true Lord. God loves them all. You'll find that love among those who are sick and those who are able, those who are cast out and despised, as well as those who are well accepted. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And if we are blessed, if we are blessed, we will see that. We will see that. Part of the seeing it is the expecting to see. It's the expecting to see. And you have all these stories in Scripture to remind you of how high and how low and how deep and how wide is the love of God. Amen. Amen.